You're listening to the Vineyard Community Church Podcast with Pastor Rick Francis. For more information, visit vccmountcomfort.org. It's good to have you with us today. My name's Rick Francis. I'm the pastor Happy here. Happy Veterans Day. Happy Veterans Day. Yes, indeed. We have that down. Lord, we thank you for our veterans. We thank you for those who have served. We thank you for those that are up in years and have gone through horrible combat experiences. We thank you for the sacrifices that they've made. And we ask, Lord, that you would release a healing upon all veterans, especially those of combat war. We pray, Father, that today would be a day that heaven releases a grace to heal the trauma of post-traumatic stress in every way in which it manifests in lives. We pray for healing of the hearts and souls and the mending of the bodies, uh, the injuries that were suffered. We pray for our veterans and we ask, Lord, that you would touch them and that you would bring your healing to, to bear. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. How full is your grace barometer today? You feeling kind of full on the grace scale? Okay, I got that side. They're pretty full. This side, yes. how full? Are, how full is this side? Are we pretty full on grace? Yes. Because I may need a lot of grace today. Oh, <laughs> I've looked at what I'm attempting, and I'm saying, "Oh Jesus, help, help, Holy Spirit." Uh, this morning, I've come across something this week that was that was uh, really dynamic to me, and, and and was a real revelation, and it, it shifted something in me. How many times have you experienced that and you tried to share it with someone else and it was like, you know, it just, it just didn't land. And it's like, Lord, I don't want to do this. If it's not going to land, I want to I do what, what you want. Last week we talked about Thanksgiving testimony and we were looking at, at the power of testimony and, and how the Lord uses testimony to perpetuate his ongoing goodness, his healing, his power, his mercy, his goodness and all its manifestations. And we're coming into the Thanksgiving season. So this is a time to really start focusing on those things and, and remembering those. We looked at the scripture and, and oftentimes it seems that God will come to his servants, oftentimes his prophets, and he will say, what do you see? What do you hear? And sometimes we don't see. Sometimes we don't hear. Uh, sometimes, you know, it's just like, it's flat. We're, we're not really connecting with what it is that he's trying to get. But then he says, what do you remember? What do you remember? It's amazing that when we, we find ourselves in those times of darkness and, and things are difficult and it feels like his presence has, has kind of dissipated a little, it seems like it's kind of difficult to know how to navigate those times. And I found that the best thing to do is to go back to remembrance. If you're not seeing and if you're not hearing, go back to remembering what has the Lord done for you? What has he done for me? And when I go back and I, and I look at what he's done for me, <clears throat> it's amazing how it inspires my spirit to pursue connection with his spirit and as that takes place it's amazing how my ears open up and I began to hear things that I wasn't hearing and it's amazing that when my ears open up how my eyes begin to see 
Now, if you've been around me in the last year, you know that I'm pursuing trying to see more clearly than I've ever seen before. And it's like, oh, this word has been so good to me to realize, to see, if I can't, try to hear. If I can't, remember. Remember the goodness of the Lord. And I, I shared last week how we've got the whole scripture the whole story of Israel is a testimony of God's goodness and revelation. And as we look at all of scripture, we see that those things, whether you've, whether you've encountered a instantaneous miracle in your body or not, there are stories in the book where it happens. They couldn't see and they saw. They couldn't hear and they hear. They had leprosy and it was gone. <laughs> they were dead and they came back to life. And it's like, okay, let's remember how good he is. And out of that, let's pursue a life with him. So I came across uh, a teaching of Danny Silk. <clears throat> I listened to two, two messages of him this week. Uh, his new book has just been put out called Unpunishable. And I highly recommend it. For those of you that like to be theological scribes, <laughs> I think you'll find it to, to, to probably rattle your cage in some ways that you've never quite uh, been aware of. Uh, as, as I heard Danny speak this week, the Lord just used it to just kind of help me understand why, why it is so difficult sometimes to see. Why is it difficult for us to truly see in the spiritual realm, to see in the spirit, to see from heaven's perspective to earth, to see as God sees? How is it so difficult for us to see our friends, our family, our spouses, the way the Lord sees them? He, he pulled us all the way back to the garden. <clears throat> Something that I had never really quite saw. There's, there's so many different ways in which in, in, in the Genesis chapter three account of all the different places that you can go uh, of trying to understand how this fall affects us. And, and sometimes we, we underestimate the extent of the fall. We think we just was walking on the sidewalk and we slipped and we got a boo-boo and so we put some methylite on it and put a Band-Aid on it and we, we get up and we, we go. Others of us realize that it's more like falling off of the Empire State Building and hitting the sidewalk and there's hardly anything recognizable. Even the dental records can't identify you. You're just a And, and so we, 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 we look at, at both sides and we, and we look at, at the effect of the fall but as that it relates to us, who are believers who love the Lord, that want to walk with the Lord, why is it so difficult for us to see? When the, when the evil one, the serpent comes, and the serpent comes to, to Eve in the garden, and he said, did God say you can't eat from any of the, the fruit of any of the trees? And oh, no, 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 we can eat. And it's interesting that God in his mercy and his wonderful, wonderful design of creation designed us to be in his image. So he gave us free will. 
And out of that free will, we'll, we'll always have choice. So Adam and Eve are in the garden and they are experiencing the goodness of God 24-7, 365. Nothing but goodness, 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 goodness. I don't know if you can picture that. When's the last time you've had a good hour? Or maybe a good half a day? When's the last time that, you know, things have been really, really good? But they walked in the goodness of God and in intimacy and fellowship and communion with him every day. Now, the scripture doesn't tell us how long it was before the serpent showed up. My feeling is he came probably pretty early. Because once you walk in the goodness of God, you know what happens? You want to stay in the goodness of God. You, you want to continue to walk in that kind of relationship and, and that kind of reality. There was no sickness, no disease. There was, you didn't have to worry about the, the tigers coming and biting you or anything like that. I mean, the, the creation, the created order, everything. And we had the stewardship as God's creation to take care and to take care of the earth. And as we're doing that, the serpent appears. And as he subtly works his lies and his deception, he understands, he understands about God and his kingdom. He understands that there, is, that there is always a chance when there's free will to get someone to switch sides. Hmm. And I never saw it quite like this. But when Eve and Adam fell, they no longer saw the goodness of God through the eyes of being created in his image, male and female. They saw God now from the eyes of the one that they gave allegiance to. That when they acted upon the, the instruction of the evil one, they shifted lordship. They shifted rulership. We are designed to have one ruler, and it's the Lord himself. And out of that rule of a loving God who loves us so much, we, we connect in, in ways of really becoming who he created us to be. But when we connected with the evil one, we no longer saw God through our eyes, but through the eyes of the ruler that we just gave lordship to. Hmm. That's why when God comes in the, in the cool of day and he, he cries out for Adam and he says, where are you? And we know that when God's asking, where are you? It's not because he doesn't know where you are. <clears throat> as, as he's crying out, where are you? And Adam says, I hid myself because I was naked. You know, and it's like, well, who told you you're, you're naked? How did, how did you come to understand? Because now you're not looking through the eyes that you were created with. You're looking through the eyes of the one who has usurped and has, has tainted everything. And so now you're looking through those lenses. And when you do, now God's not someone that you run to. God is someone that you hide from. God is not someone that you can engage with and be vulnerable 
and be exposed. But now God is someone that you have to hide and cover up. You've got to cover up your nakedness. Huh. Now, when I saw that, I just thought, Lord, you know, I've been pursuing sight. I want to see, I want to see, I want to see. Why is it that it's so difficult to see? And I felt like the Holy Spirit was taking application of this and was showing me one of the reasons it's so difficult for us is we don't realize that soon as soon as we get out of his presence, it's easy for us to fall back in to previous patterns that we're used to. And especially if we get triggered, somebody cuts us off and we get angry, all of a sudden our sanctification goes right out the window. Anybody lost their sanctification this week? Boom, you know, and it's like, whoa. And it's like, oh. And it's like, why is that? Well, it's because I'm not, as soon as, soon as I bounce back into that, I no longer see through the eyes of heaven to earth. I see through the eyes of the world. And the eyes of the world is constantly filled with greed, selfishness, ambition. And so anything that's an inconvenience to me should be eliminated. And so it's like, whoa. So Jesus comes and shows us what it's like to see through the eyes of the Father. He does that because he's constantly in intimate relationship with the Father. He gets up a great while before daylight and he spends nights in prayer. He spends the time, he's with the Lord 24. He's just seamlessly with the Lord as the Holy Spirit is, is flowing through him. And he's shown us how it is that we can see from heaven to earth, how we can see through the eyes that God originally intended for us to have. Makes it <clears throat> click for me. It's like, oh, when I was just being a rear end then, it's because I went back to my other eyes. I started seeing through the eyes of the ruler of this world and not the ruler of the universe. I'm no longer seeing through the eyes of the savior, I'm seeing through the eyes of the serpent. Now, how many know that Aladdin is one of the most spiritual, strong movies you'll ever watch? (laughs) Who likes Aladdin? Somebody here likes Aladdin. We got a couple of Aladdins, okay, okay. I watched Moana last night. In Aladdin, I was really interested in the symbolism that the animators use. Uh, I'm I'm thinking of the animation version, but it's also in the new release as well. What is it that the Sultan gets under a spell with? It's the snake. It's the eyes of the snake. And in the staff of the eyes of the snake, he gets mesmerized and he starts making foolish decisions. Decisions that aren't good for his country and not good for him, not good for his daughter. And I thought, man, this is, this is so interesting. Uh, Susie, I'm way out of order, dear. Uh, I want you to go to slide number 10. I don't know if they're numbered that way. It will be Galatians 3. You foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified. Wow. 
Do you think you can start in the spirit and end up in the flesh? See, that, that's what we've, forgive the church, that's what we've often done in the church. We, we, we put out the invitation as glorious, Gloria did so beautifully during worship about, you know, doesn't matter what you've done, the Lord loves and, and it's, it's an open invitation, you know, to come to him and we, we, we welcome that. But as soon as, we, as soon as we receive the free gift of grace, the free gift of salvation through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, his suffering, his death, his crucifixion, his resurrection, all of that, as soon as we, we come into that, then all of a sudden we change the eyes of grace into the eyes of religion. And it's almost at that point that we get out the staff of Jafar and people look into it and then we try to control them and tell them what to do with their money, how to behave, what they gotta wear, what they gotta smell like on Sunday and Monday and Tuesday, and we try to control their life. And it's like, man, religion, every time religion shows its ugly head, you are seeing through the eyes of the serpent. You are not seeing in the eyes of the spirit. And it irritates me to death. And I've been called to be a part of something that has probably fostered more harm than good. Well, I can't say that, but a lot of mixture in that we offer a free salvation. And then once you come in, then we let you know what the rules are. And almost any time you are trying to, to work something out of rules, it's religion. It's not relationship. Yeah. Anytime you look through the scripture and you look at how God's relating, you'll see that there's commands and there's statutes and all that kind of stuff, but they're designed for relationship. They're not designed for enslavement. They're not designed for control. They're designed for enhancing the intimacy with God. So anything that all of a sudden you're getting judged for and you just think of all the different ways the church judges people. It always breaks my heart when, when, when there's tiffs in the church and people get offended and, and, and it's like, oh my stars, how can that be? And then I realized, well, Rick, you really haven't created an atmosphere that lets everybody know that we're family. You know, we're all showing up and we're all doing what we're supposed to do and we're all getting our, our check-in with heaven and, and we, we can check the checkbox. I went to church, boom. And as soon as someone says something that's controversial or hurtful, we don't know how to reconcile because homogeneity says that everybody has to believe the same thing, think the same way, vote the same way, act the same way. You know, if you guys were really holy, you would all shave your head like me and we'd all look alike, you know, and, and all this. No, there's such variety in the heart of the Father that we don't understand that. And, and we are going to offend each other I guarantee it, wherever two or more are gathered together, there will be an offense. It's inevitable. But it's not an offense that's supposed to segregate. It's not supposed to separate. It's supposed to teach us how to ask for forgiveness, 
how to humble ourselves. what's it mean to be in relationship, how do we talk through this until we get to a conclusion and the relationship is preserved and restored. We need that. We need that. Now we're a small group. Anybody leaves, I'm gonna smack you. That hurts. I need it. No, I'm gonna pursue you. Because it's not about what you can do for us or what we can do for you. It's about being a part of the body of Jesus Christ and realizing that there's a planting of the Lord where he plants the truth of his love and his gospel inside our hearts. And then he plants us in a local fellowship. A local fellowship that may be a foot, an ankle, a toenail, or whatever, but it's part of the body of Christ. And that if the Lord has planted you here, it's because you have a role to play, has been said already today, you have a role to play that is very, very important and significant. And without you, that role won't be fulfilled. And so we've got to, we've got to realize that and come. In the body of Christ, we will be offended. So don't, don't get upset with yourself if you get offended. And if you get offended regularly, that's fine. What you do with your offense is what you're responsible for. You are responsible anytime you get offended, you are responsible to pursue in the body of Christ until that relational offense is resolved. And sometimes it's, it's, it, it may feel like it's impossible to be resolved. I think that there's solutions that the Holy Spirit has that we haven't even thought of. I think there's a way to stay relationally connected even though our thoughts, our concepts, our ideology and several other things may be totally different. I believe that in the body of Christ, you can have Indiana Hoosiers love Purdue Boilermakers. I believe it. I, I truly believe it. And if the, if the anointing gets real thick, I think Purdue Boilermakers can love Indiana Hoosiers. Say what? Mm -hmm. They're both in the same state. Sometimes the closer we are, the f more fierce and more offended we become. Mm. So what am I trying to say today? Open your Bibles and let's start with the text. We're going to begin at verse 18, but I'm going to read starting at verse 15 of Ephesians chapter 1. We've already read it during our, our uh, corporate reading this morning. Paul's writing to the church at Ephesus, <clears throat> and he says, For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in, in my prayers. I keep asking that... The God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. The first part of his prayer that I didn't put on the screen is that you'll have a spirit of wisdom and revelation for a greater intimacy, a greater knowledge, a greater experiential, relational uh, encounter with the Lord. Now, I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, 
the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints and his incomparable his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is like the working of his mighty strength, which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly realms. Far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every title that can be given, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. (coughs) The passage, I got another verse that won't be on the screen and then it'll switch to the Passion Translation, which is what we read this morning, what we recited. I pray that the Father of glory, the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, would impart to you the riches of the spirit of wisdom and revelation and, and the spirit of revelation to know him through your deepening intimacy with him. I pray that the light of God will illumine, illuminate the eyes of your imagination, flooding you with light until you experience the full revelation of the hope of his calling that is the wealth of God's glorious inheritances that he finds in us, his holy ones. I pray that you continually experience the the immeasurable greatness of our God's power made available to you through faith. Then your lives will be an advertisement of this immense power as it works through you. This is the mighty power that was released when God raised Christ from the dead and exalted him to the place of highest honor and supreme authority in the heavenly realm. And now he is exalted as first above every ruler, authority, government, and realm of power in existence. He is gloriously enthroned over every name that is ever praised, not only in this age, but in the age that is coming. And he alone is the leader and source of everything needed in the church. God has put everything beneath the authority of Jesus Christ and has given him the highest rank above all others. And now we, his church, are his body on the earth and that which fills him who is being filled by it. Wow. So Paul understood that the church at Ephesus, that there was, a, there was a, a burden of the spirit on his heart in prayer, that the eyes of their heart would be enlightened. God is love, God is spirit, God is light. Those are three declarative statements that the scripture articulates. God is light because the darkness is so great. The way in which the evil one darkened us with the deception all the way back to the garden and ever since, that we no longer see the way God created us to see. We can't even see him the way we would like to see. Most of us, if if we get honest, we're still a little afraid of God. And it's not because of holy awe, it's because we're afraid we're gonna do something wrong and he's gonna whack us. And it's, it's, it's birthed from our human experience and it continues to reside to this day. Even if we say, no, I'm not worried about that. 
Well, somewhere there probably is a little bit of fear. I believe he's good. But then C.S. Lewis told me he's not tame. He's good, but he's not tame. And it's that not tame part that keeps me on edge. You know, what can we do? We can't control God. We can't manipulate him. But if we can see him as he is, if we can see him as he truly is, it will change everything in our life. It will change how we, <laughs> how we see ourselves and how we see others when we see him as he is. And that's my prayer encounter for us today. Lord, would you give us the ability to see you as you are? We have all sorts of good doctrines, but if we don't see you as you are, we just have head knowledge. We don't have relational intimacy based on what we have seen. Uh, Job, I think I got my Bible marked for Job. Oh no, I don't. Oh, Job, Job 42. Job's in the Bible. Let's see. Did I have that scripture verse, Susie? You see it? <laughs> Here we go. It's Job. I, I, I love this. Job 42, he says, I know that you can do all things. Job's reply to the Lord. No plan of yours can be thwarted. You asked, who is it that obscures my counsel without knowledge? It's me. <laughs> In case there's any doubt, it's me. Uh, Surely I spoke of things I did not understand, things too wonderful for me to know. Now, mind you, if you look at Job, you will get all the pat answers of the church from his friends to Job of why he's suffering. Because we always got to figure everything out in the church. We got to let you know why you're having a difficult time. There's hidden sin or you haven't, you know, yeah. You said, listen now and I will speak. I will question you and you will answer me. My ears had heard of you. My ears have heard about you. But now my eyes have seen you. I repent. Do you realize that repenting is something you can't do just by yourself? You have to have grace to repent. First, the Lord has to graciously show you so that you can see. Otherwise, you'll never know that you need to repent. I spent one evening in the chair repenting for hours because of the mercy and love of God came and showed me things I'd never seen. It was, a, it was one of my most glorious, memorable nights. If we receive the gift, the grace of God to see him as he is, there's always an aspect of that that will move us into repentance because there's things about him that we haven't seen. And when we see him as he truly is, it breaks our heart to realize how we've been relating to him. I didn't know he was that good. I didn't know he was that merciful. I was, I was kind of 
I was kind of keeping a, a little part back because I didn't know how faithful he was. See, he's given me several dreams, which he's trying to explain to me. Rick, in the natural, when you're looking, you're only going to see through the eyes of the serpent. You're only going to see through the eyes of the world. You're going to only see through the eyes of your trauma, uh, of your past, previous experiences, and the emotions that get triggered when you remember. <clears throat> but when you see with my eyes, there's not a problem out there that I can't solve. There's not a deficiency anywhere that I am not sufficient for. There is nothing that's going on in your life that I can't navigate my redemptive, restorative, holistic purposes for your life. And when we see with his eyes, it brings a security inside of us, just like Job. <laughs> I've heard about him, and you've been to church, and you've heard a zillion sermons, but you need to see him. <clears throat> For when you see him, it changes everything. That's when the shy, passive little person who is the wallflower becomes a roaring lion because they've seen him. And that's when the one who is braggadocious and just roars all the time, and when they see him, they shut up. They are still, and they know that he's God. So my prayer this morning is that God will hit us with a grace bomb. I'm praying for a holy grace bomb to hit us today so that we can see him. Because if we see him, I know first we'll repent because we see him and it's not just what we've heard about him. And it's not just because you've heard a sermon today. It's gonna to be because you see the person for who he truly is. And when you see the person for who he truly is, repentance is just automatic. You know what to repent for. So this isn't a negative repentance. This is a wonderful repentance because when we repent, it increases our ability to see and hear even more. I love that about him. One of the problems that we have is negative interpretation. I see it all the time in couples. I have couples that come and there's so much that is unresolved between the husband and the wife that when they come and see me, I can give them all the truth, give them all the principles, give them all the tools, but the way in which they see their spouse has been so tainted through the betrayals, the hurts, the disappointments, uh, the unresolved arguments and conflicts, and as a result, it has warped the lens by which they can see the other person. And that's what the evil one has been doing his whole time. He doesn't care what we know about the Lord. He doesn't want us to see accurately who the Lord is. Because when we see him, it will transform us. <laughs> as long as he can distort the lens, keep the contamination, keep tainting the way in which we see, and attributing ulterior motives of why God said that. Oh, he just said that because he wants this. 
Isn't that what we do? If I preach about tithing and money, 90% will say he's only doing that because he's wanting more salary. And it's like, we, we attribute ulterior motives so often because of our negative lens by which we see things. I don't know about you, but I was so blessed when my mother-in-law says, I don't want to see so negatively. And at 92, she's probably 91 at the time she made that statement. That was a couple years ago. And I just thought, man, that is so good. You know, to think that as we continue to grow, we can be aware that I am not seeing things positively. I'm still seeing things very negative. And it's like, I think today the Holy Spirit's inviting us at many of, we're at different stages and he knows how to customize this, but he's offering us an opportunity to get the cataracts off. Yeah. Um, maybe to have some LASIK surgery. <laughs> or maybe he's just gonna release a cleansing that gets all the contamination so that our eyes see. Because Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount says, the eye is singular. And if the eye sees in darkness, how great is that darkness? But if it's in light, how great is that light? And it's like, Lord, my prayer today is that I would see you as you are, not how I create you to be, not how other people have said and, and created and said, this is who you are. Lord, I wanna see you for who you truly are. I wanna see you. I've got enough knowledge about you as far as academic stuff. But when I look at him, all the academic stuff is like rubbish because he transcends anything our intellect can, can orchestrate. Any concept that we can gain intellectually is absolutely thrown out the window when we see him for who he is. I'm putting a lot of eggs in the basket that he wants to show you himself. And I believe that's 100% true. But I know that there is a serpent out there who will say he wants to show himself to everyone but you. There's always an exception clause. And he will remind you of why you don't qualify to see him. And he'll, he'll, use, he'll use scripture. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. And so we say, well, I don't see God because my heart's not pure. We got to stop trying to be who we are and just be who we are. If the blood of Jesus Christ has covered us, then you are righteous. No doubt. Hmm. And you, you got to start believing what the Lord says about you and not what the serpent says about you. You got to stop looking through the eyes of the serpent and start seeing through the eyes of Jesus, who is our savior, who is our redeemer, who restores, who, who has shown us what Adam was supposed to be. Adam did it in an environment that was completely good. 
Jesus came and did it in an environment that was so tainted by evil that the religious people killed him. And he still said, Father, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. Mm -hmm. Jesus died so that we can see, so that we can see the Father for who he truly is. When you look to Jesus, you, you see the Father. When you've seen me, you've seen the Father, Jesus said. Let's pray. <clears throat> if you have your glasses, you might want to take them off. <laughs> I'm just going to ask you to put your hands over your eyes. And by doing so, I invite you to say, Lord Jesus, would you release from heaven to earth the cleansing of my sight, the healing of my vision, and what I focus on and how I choose to make that choice to what I focus on? And would you heal my eyes so that I can truly see you as you are? Now put your hands over your ears. And Lord, there's so much noise in my soul that oftentimes I can't hear your voice. So many things clamoring around me that I don't know what is first and what is second. I want to hear your voice, Lord, above all the other voices. I want to hear it so clearly, Lord, that I'll know that it's the Lord. It's my shepherd. I know his voice and he, he knows me as his sheep. Lord, would you open my ears so that I can truly hear Now place your hands over your heart. Mm. Lord Jesus, I long to have the eyes of my heart enlightened so that I can know the calling, the hope of your calling, what you've called me to in relationship with you. Not my career, not my destiny, not my, my job, but Lord, I want to know the calling of intimacy where love calls to love deep calls to deep. You are my lover and you call to me and I want to hear and I want to see. Would you open the eyes of my heart? Would you open the eyes of my imagination to truly believe how good you are? Lord, you're better than what we could ever imagine. You go beyond our imagination. So may we not be afraid to imagine how wonderful and how good you truly are. And when the enemy says, yeah, but, Lord, I pray that you would, you would come and that you would silence all the, the ways that the enemy tries to make you look other than what you are. And every time he tries to get us to see through his eyes, Lord, I say, no, no, no. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would put a governor and be a governor in us that every time the enemy whispers something that we would choose not to believe it and not to bite 
on anything that he's throwing our way. I pray, Holy Spirit, that we would see you and that we'd see you more clearly and that we'd follow you with a hunger and a passion that is generated from heaven to earth till Jesus gets his full reward. We thank you, Jesus, for loving us so much. Now as the worship team leads us in our last song, I just invite you to see him, experience him, know him, share with one another the testimony of the Lord's revelation of himself to you so that we can hold it and as a family, we can be encouraged. We can be encouraged by what the Lord is revealing about himself to us. Let's stand together and worship. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. To receive more audio content from The Vineyard, click the subscribe button in iTunes.